sing, oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Come on, y'all, let's go. And oh, what a Savior, isn't he? Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen, yes, he is. Jesus, that is why we're here tonight, to give you glory and honor and praise, because you are worthy of it. You're the only one worthy of it. And so tonight, would you be honored in this place for all that you've done, for who you are as our King. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You can grab a seat. Um, Welcome to Fellowship College, everybody. How are we? Good, good. Um, So I'm Garland, huh? We're good. Yeah, man. (laughs) Uh, I'm Garland, and uh, great to welcome you in here tonight. Here's kind of what happened this week. Uh, we, we had a, I was working on a sermon for tonight, and uh, we, were, we were working on a service, and uh, the guy that was supposed to lead tonight called us on Monday and said, I, I double-booked myself, and I totally forgot, and uh, we were kind of scrambling, and I called Isaiah, and we started talking, and what I, was, what I felt like I needed, and, and I don't know if you've ever been like this, felt like what I needed just for me tonight was to be able to just come in and in the presence of God's people 
to, to celebrate the goodness of our God together. And that's what we're going to do in this place tonight. And so uh, we'll have a little bit of like a, like a small, short talk, kind of woven in between as we, as we sing these words tonight. That's what, that's what I needed tonight. And I know sometimes we all just need to go on a drive and put worship music on or go on a hike and put worship music on. And sometimes just to be with the Lord. And so that's what we're going to do in this place tonight as we finish up our Song of Songs uh, series. And to, just to get us kind of our souls warmed up to thinking and processing about what it looks like to honor the Lord in this place tonight. Um, I, I want to I take you back to the, the, the middle part of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12 to 22. And in Genesis 12 to 22, we get the story of Abraham and it unfolds before us. If you ever really read it, Abraham is like this hero of faith. I think for a lot of Christians, he's the, he's the man of faith who really honors the Lord. But when you go read the story, what you see is, man, Abraham blows it like half the time. Like the dude, the dude's faith like really is shaky at times. And like sometimes you look at the story like, dude, and what you just did is the opposite of what it means to trust in Jesus or to trust in, in God. And yet, what we see in Abraham is over the decades of his life unfolding and seeing how God has been faithful to him, even in the midst of his failures, even in the midst of him running away, God, was, God remained faithful to him. And this story that takes place at the end of Abraham's life is Abraham and his son Isaac. He's asked to take his son, his only son, the one he loves, Isaac, up on the mountain and offer him there to the Lord. And in obedience to Yahweh, he says, I'm in. I've learned through decades that you're faithful. And I don't know what you're about to do. I don't really get what you're asking, but you are good. And I trust it. I trust you. And in, and in that story, we see this, this provision of God in the midst of that story. And it's just this amazing story of what it looks like for God to stretch our faith, your faith and my faith. Here's the deal. We all have different stories as we came in here to this place tonight. And maybe just before we do anything else tonight, it'd be helpful for you and for me, just like Abraham, to be reminded of the ways that God's been faithful, the ways that he's been good to us. So I'm just gonna ask you, and this, if you're not a believer, if you're new with us, this is kind of what we call prayer, just talking to God. And I'm gonna ask you if you're a Jesus follower, and even if you're not, to close your eyes. And I just want you to think, can you call to mind one, two, three ways that the Lord's been faithful to you? It may, you may have to look back over the last few days, few weeks, maybe a few months. How has the Lord preserved your life? How has he been faithful to you? Call that thing to mind. Let's celebrate his faithfulness here in this place tonight. Going through the storm 
Broken promises, my confidence. Yes, it is. Is your faithfulness, and I will rest in your promises, my confidence. Oh, is your faithfulness, and I will rest in your promises, my. that the Old Testament makes, they find their answer, their culmination, their fulfillment ultimately in you. All the promises of God find their yes and their amen, their truth in the face of Jesus, the resurrected King. We're here for your glory tonight, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Y'all can grab a seat. Here's what tonight will look like as we conclude our Song of Songs um, little series that we've, that we've walked through since spring break. Um, if, if you've read the Song of Songs, here's what I'm, I'm just calling this real briefly uh, tonight, the, the love that we all need. Like it, as you've read the Song of Songs, and some of you I, I know have tried not to read it because it's kind of strange, uh, but if you, if you really read it as we've walked through these last few weeks, then the Song of Songs almost creates an impossible standard. Like you read it and, the, and, the, and the, the, the talks that we've been given in here and looking at the way that this relationship has come together and the way that their eyes are completely on each other and they, they satisfy each other's needs and they look towards each other and they serve each other. It's this amazing picture. And it's almost as if when you're reading the Song of Songs, you go, man, no human can live up to that. Like there's no way that, that any person could be the full picture of what we see as this story unfolds. And what it's supposed to create, I think for the reader, is as you read through the Song of Songs, it's supposed to create in you and me this longing for someone to love us like this, this longing to be accepted and known and seen and cherished 
like this. This is why, by the way, if you remember back to our first week, this is why many scholars throughout the millennia have seen the Song of Songs primarily on this last option or the first two options. They've seen the Song of Songs as ultimately pointing to God's love for us. And we've been approaching it these last four weeks from the the natural perspective. This is a, a picture of human relationship, of human marriage, of beauty, and these kinds of things. But as you read it, it's like there's a whisper behind it, man, that we need to be loved like this. And that leads us to this, this, final, this final way to read the Song of Songs, to see it as a typological way, a typological reading, that we see the human love that's described here, but it's pointing to the greater love that we need. And this shouldn't be surprising to us. After all, we see one of the primary metaphors that the scripture unpacks for God and his people is this picture of marriage. So frequently in the Bible, we see this picture of Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel and his people described as a marriage, as two spouses. Like in Isaiah 54, the prophet speaking about God and his people says, Israel, your maker is your husband. Yahweh Almighty is his name. He's the one who's redeemed you and called you to himself. We see that idea in the Song of Songs, this idea that to be truly known, truly loved and accepted. I am my beloved's. They call out to each other, my beloved is mine. This whisper that we need desperately to be loved like this. And we see in the New Testament as well, the, 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 the Apostle Paul will pick up on the same theme, but now he's going to say the picture of that comes to fruition in Jesus as he loves his bride, the church, and gives himself up for her that he might set her apart, make her special. There's no one like her and cleanses her by washing her with the water of the word. Now, there's one really famous example in the Old Testament beside the Song of Songs of this picture of the husband and wife as the picture of God and his people. And it's a strange prophetic book tucked away in your Old Testament. You can turn there if you have your Bible. So open your Bibles if you got it to Hosea chapter one. We're gonna, we're gonna let Song of Songs sit right here. And then we're gonna turn over here and see Hosea. This is gonna guide us as we turn back to worship in just a moment. So Song of Songs presents this picture of the love that we need. Then Hosea comes along and paints a different kind of picture. Here's the scenario, okay? Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, his people have been unfaithful. And as a demonstration, as an object lesson, he sends Hosea, this prophet of the Old Testament, hundreds of years before the time of Jesus. And here's what Yahweh tells him. I would not like this, this offer from God. Oh, right, Hosea, I got an idea. Here's the idea, Hosea. I want you to go and find a promiscuous woman. Promiscuous, meaning one who will not be faithful. She's gonna sleep around on whoever she ends up marrying. That's your girl. Find her, and you're gonna fall in love with her. And you're gonna marry her. And you're gonna start a family with her. And then he goes out and finds, I mean, he goes and finds one a promiscuous woman, and she has an unfortunate name. Gomer is her name. It's a great, by the way, one day I I would love for somebody in the modern world to name their daughter Gomer. 
Like Gomer Autry would be quite the name for one of my kids. So this is the unfortunate name of our promiscuous woman, Gomer. And here's what happens. Yahweh is, uh, he sends Hosea and he marries her. And then immediately, if you read the story of Hosea, she begins to cheat on him. And she cheats on him over and over and over and over again, over the course of years. And many of you in the room probably have seen the effects of what it looks like to have somebody betray that promise that they made to you or maybe one of your parents and the pain that comes with that. That was my, the story of my parents' marriage and the pain that comes with that. And God has used this as an illustration to describe him with his people. And, and here's what Gomer says. After years of cheating on Hosea and she ends up having multiple kids through different, different dudes, and even after all that, here's her mantra. Here's what she says, chapter two. The, the, the people of Israel, they speak to her. They say, she's been unfaithful, but look at what she says. I will go after my lovers. I'll chase after these lovers. They're the ones who provide everything that I need. They're the ones who give me my, my food and my water and my wool and my oil and everything that my soul needs, that my life needs, I can find in these other lovers. She's been chasing him for years. And there's this sad note in verse seven. The narrator says, she'll chase after her lovers, but she won't catch them. She'll look for them, but not find them. It's an empty pursuit. It promises much, but delivers little. And in the book of Hosea, this is all to illustrate Israel's idolatry. As they run after things besides God to give them the joy that they seek. And uh, I, quote him all, uh, I quote him all the time. We'll see it in a minute. Uh, the New Testament picks up this idea of what this idolatry looks like in Romans chapter one. And Paul says this. He says that people, not just Israel, but all people, we didn't glorify God or give thanks to him, but we became fools in our hearts. Look at verse 23. Exchange the glory of the immortal God for idols. We chase things that we say, this will give me my joy. This will satisfy my soul, but it can never work. And Tim Keller is summarizing this, just talking about what, what is an idol, he asks. Tim Keller is a pastor in New York, and he summarized it so well. Hear this. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give, now think about that. For some of us in that room, that could actually be a, a human relationship. I know for me, when I was in college, there was a girl and I said, if I could have her, then I'll, I'll know that I measure up. I've shared that story with many of you before. What is it that absorbs your imagination, that competes with God for the adoration of your soul? John Calvin, the Protestant reformer said, our hearts are like factories of idols all of us. So here's what we're going to do as we, as we turn now. I told you it's going to be short. As we turn now, we're going to, we've, we've looked at Song of Songs, and we're going to bring this other story in of Hosea. And his wife is constantly chasing and yet never finding. She says, I'll chase after my lovers. They're, who, they're the ones who will give me what I need. And here's what I'm going to ask you. This is just a moment before the Lord. Whether you're a Jesus follower in the room or not, what are you seeking? Saying, if I have that, I have everything. If I can have that, 
I'll know that I matter. If I don't have this, I have nothing. That will bring me joy. That'll bring me satisfaction. We stay in relationships sometimes way longer than we should because we say this person is the one that will give me my joy. We chase esteem, reputation, the way our body looks, popularity, the future job, our grades, whatever that thing is for you. What are those other lovers that you're seeking? And I'm gonna invite you and, and me, same thing we did earlier, I'm gonna invite you just to close your eyes and it's a simple question. Is there anything else in this world that absorbs your imagination, that absorbs your attention, that you chase after besides the God of the scripture? What are you running to hoping to bring you joy? Is it working? I'm just going to give us a moment right here in this place just to, just to confess those things to the Lord. To say, God, I, I'm chasing after things that can't satisfy and I really just need you. So take a moment. Let's just confess to the Lord together. So teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand I fall on For Jesus you're my hope and stay Sing those words again So teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you For Jesus, you're my hope and stay Lord, I come, I confess Bowing here I find my rest And without you I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart 
Stand, think about these words as we sing. Where sin runs deep, your grace is born. Where grace is found, to where you are. Where you are, and where you are.
going to take a moment now, kind of even as we continue in worship, to do a thing called a Selah. And it's a really simple concept, honestly. If you've read the Psalms before, you often see after the end of a stanza or a, or a, a chorus or a verse, you see this word, Selah. And, and it was just a simple moment for there actually not to be any words sung, uh, but for the musicians to simply play and the people to just engage in God's presence and to rest in his presence. And maybe uh, that's really what you need tonight. And we've sung a lot of songs and said a lot of words and sang, sung a lot, of lyric, a lot of lyrics, if I can talk. But man, maybe you just need to sit in God's presence. Maybe recognize him tonight. Maybe you, you walked in really distracted and it's taken you a long time to just uh, kind of let some of those things go to the side and you just need a moment to sit in his presence to acknowledge him before we sing anymore. So we're just going to take a moment now. Father, we acknowledge you tonight, above all else, above all things. God, there's so many things that can take our eyes and our vision away from you. So many things that can distract us and shield our eyes from your goodness and your grace, God. In this moment, we repent of that. Lord, we turn our eyes and affix them on you, not just for today or tonight or the next week, God, but that you'd be the focus of all that we do, all of our lives and all of ourselves, turned wholly and totally towards you. So God, as we continue to give you worship, we pray it would be an honest and authentic act, Lord. And Lord, I pray that, and if there's people in this room tonight that are hurting, they would see your grace and your mercy and your love like never before. I pray that people would see your goodness and your mercy that we didn't deserve, that you died on a cross for. Man, Lord, if there's people in this room that they may not know you in their heart of hearts, maybe they've done the Christian thing before, they've done all the right things, said all the right words. Man, I pray that hearts would turn to you fully and commit to you. Man, would you stir in us tonight. Would you move? We're expecting. So God, we give you praise and honor. i 
you take a seat. And uh, the, the, the story of Gomer doesn't stop there. It's the good news about the, the Bible's narrative is doesn't, doesn't end there. Now, I, want, I want you to see how the story uh, unfolds. And if you've, if you've studied the scripture before, if you've seen this book before, then you might have seen it. This idea that the faithfulness of God is chasing us, is pursuing us, that he desires that we would truly find our, our soul's need in him. Here's how the story concludes. Uh, Gomer said, I'll chase my lovers. They're the ones who give me what I need. They're the ones who provide all that I, all that I need. They're the ones that will give satisfaction to my soul. But she hits a wall. She'll chase after them but not find them. And then there's this note in the narrative, and it says this. She'll come, she comes to her this moment of clarity, and she says, man, things were better off with my husband. The husband I had at first. Let me go back and see if he'd take me. After all my searching and all my running, he probably won't. I mean, after all, it's been years of adultery, years of running out on Hosea. She goes, she goes back to him. And I love the response. Remember, this is, a, this is a picture that God is giving of his love for his people. And then the narrator breaks in and says, this is how God responds to, the un, to his unfaithful spouse. Which, by the way, that's, that's me, that's, that's you. Look at the response. God says, I'm gonna take my unfaithful bride and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring her out into the wilderness. I will allure her out there. And if you're like me, what I'm thinking is going to happen here, and I think for a lot of us, this is what we think the Bible tells us, that God, he's disappointed in us, he's frustrated with us, he's mad at us, he's taken, the, he's taken his people out into the wilderness so he can condemn them there and leave them to die. That's not what it says. I'm going to allure her and lead her into the wilderness, Yahweh says of his unfaithful bride. And look at what it says. And there I will speak tenderly, graciously, mercifully to her. After years of breaking my heart, years of going her own way, years of taking the things that I've provided for her and saying, my lover's provided that, still grace, still love, still mercy. He says, on that day, when I speak tenderly to my people, you'll no longer call me master. You'll no longer have a distant relationship with me. You'll no longer look at me with your head down in shame, but it says you'll call me husband. That very idea that, we've, that we're unpacking, this, this picture of being betrothed in covenant faithfulness, this picture of the love that we all need, of compassion and faithfulness, God says, I will make that out of even my unfaithful Bride. Once again, Paul in the New Testament picks up on this and he says, hey, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. It's the love that we all need. This note, this refrain goes on over and over again in Song of Songs. I am my beloved, my, my, my beloved's and my beloved is mine. The compassion of our God to speak tenderly graciously to us, graciously to me, 
when even still I find things that seek my attention, things that seek my devotion. He constantly still pursues. It's the God that we serve. It's, it's all over the Old Testament, and we see its culmination in Jesus. As he is thrown into the wilderness, thrown into the darkness so we could be invited into closeness, he experiences hostility and broken relationship so that we can be brought in and called beloved. It's the story that the Bible is telling. It's a beautiful story, point of the great love that you and I need. And so, very simply, let us just simply respond to the love of the Father seen in the face of Jesus. Would you stand and let's respond by, by saying, Jesus, we, we adore you for what you've done for us, your grace and your mercy to us. Let's sing these words.
ocean poured out on the feet of Jesus our affection our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus our affection our devotion
down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high and mountain high and valley low. I sing out, remind my soul. I am yours. I am forever yours. One more time. Love came down, just the voices. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and said, I'm yours. I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high and mountain high and valley low. I sing out, remind my soul. I am yours. I am forever yours. Jesus, the statement that resounds through Song of Songs, I, my beloved, and my beloved is mine. You have made true in what you've done for us on your death and resurrection and the love that we need, the satisfier of our souls, the thing that lets us know that we are valuable, we found all of it in you. And help us to be reminded of that. Thank you for reminding of that to me tonight and for us, and we want to live like that's true, and we ask this in your name. Amen. You grab a seat, if you wouldn't mind, real quick. A couple announcement things for you before we head out. Next week will be our final uh, Fellowship College service before we break for the summer. Uh, here's what we're going to have next week. We're going to have uh, uh, the photo bus will be here. So if you want to get some pictures with you or friends or whatever you got, bring, uh, bring them with you next week and we'll take some, you'll get some pictures in there. It'll be on us. Two other things on us. We'll have some honey butter chicken biscuits here uh, that we're going to buy for you. So get here early, and uh, they'll be out there in before the service, about 6.45. You can grab some of those. And then we'll have Burton's ice cream after the service. So come and join us next week as we kind of celebrate the end of the year and celebrate what God's done uh, kind of in this place in our ministry this year. And I want to bring my friend. Where's he at? Where's Ben at? Is he in here? Yeah, there he is. I'm gonna bring my friend Ben Sheffield up here. Uh, he's gonna just make known to you a really cool opportunity, and then we'll be breaking for the evening. Ben, take it away. Talk about Downline. <laughs> Appreciate it, Garland. Yeah, well, my name's Ben. I work with uh, Downline Ministries. We're actually new here to, um, to Northwest Arkansas. And so, yeah, just want to tell you guys a little bit about what we do and uh, a chance to get involved. Uh, so Downline exists very simply uh, to train and equip men and women to make disciples in their churches, in their homes, and in their communities. And we do this uh, with a nine-month program that we're starting this fall. Uh, and really, we, it's kind of about two things. One, we want to cast an incredibly clear definition and vision of what it means to make disciples. What did Jesus mean when he commanded us to go and make disciples in the Great Commission? And then what does that look like for you as a grad student, for you as a young professional? And once we've kind of casted that vision, we want to equip it. And there's no better tool than God's word. Um, and so for nine months, we will march through the Bible. We will start in Genesis. We'll close it in Revelation. Uh, and, and all and through that, we will have over 40, 40-ish teachers from both from the area and kind of around the country coming in to teach these lessons. Uh, our hope and goal is that you leave the program um, with a clear vision for what it means to make disciples and confident and equipped to be able to, commu to communicate the word. And you're doing this alongside other like-minded believers. You've got 
students from different churches, different backgrounds, but all with that same desire to invest in themselves spiritually. Um, and so that's what Downline facilitates. You will leave nine months transformed spiritually. It, it's, it's God's word. That's what it does. Um, you'll leave confident and equipped to communicate God's word and inspired to develop a lifestyle of disciple making. So that's Downline in a nutshell. Uh, again, we start this fall. Um, those eligible are those who are about to complete undergrad or already have. Um, and if you would, uh, oh good, the QR code worked out great. Uh, if you'll scan the QR code, I, again, I'm on staff at Downline, so I have to say good things about Downline. Uh, we have a testimonial video on, with, uh, that this QR code should link to. If you would, tonight or tomorrow, uh, while it's kind of still fresh, if you're interested, uh, check that video out. It's going to be uh, some, some students who have gone through our, our program in Little Rock. It'll kind of give you a little bit better idea of, um, of what to expect with it. So, uh, and then I'll be, I'll be in the back uh, to answer any questions that you might have. So it's Downline. So Downline started in Memphis with some, some people that I know, some friends of mine in Memphis, and it has done an amazing uh, job creating disciple makers in that city, and now also in Little Rock. And we're pumped that Downline's coming to Northwest Arkansas. So come talk to him if you are about to graduate or uh, have graduated. Fellowship College, the love that we need, we found it in Jesus. Let's go live that out tonight and this week. Have a great week of worship. We'll see you right here next week. Honey, butter, chicken, biscuits, everybody. Get here early next week. <laughs>